a nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual death. Out there, the precariat is growing. Do you consider yourself militant? I consider myself Malcolm. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. What's up, people? This is Jamile Dunn, and this is the Precariat Podcast, Episode 2. Finally made it. <laughs> uh, it's a little late. Actually, it's very late. Um, I actually did do two podcasts the last two weeks, but I hated both of them, and I, I just didn't want to release something I wasn't proud of, so I scrapped it. But you're in luck, because Brittany Simmons, who we did Part uh, 1 with, or Episode 1 with, um, but we didn't finish the whole thing because we didn't have enough time. She was in town, so I figured we might as well just hop on and do part two of, of our first conversation. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. We talk about a lot of different stuff from race relations to politics. Um, a lot of things I think you'll find interesting. A couple housekeeping notes. Um, I started an email account, uh, theprecariatpod at gmail.com with you know and if anybody wants to get in contact with me i assume most people who listen to this know me but if you don't and you want to get in contact that's how you can do it i might do like listener questions one one day if i ever get any from anybody so if if you do have any questions that's where you would send them um beyond that the only other thing i'll mention is the sound is a little bit different we did this in like uh sort of an open space last time it was over the phone so it's gonna sound like it's gonna sound like we're in a in a big room uh, so just, you know, take note of that. It won't always sound like that, but because of the way we had to record this one, that's what it sounds like. Uh, but the conversation is still just as interesting, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. So without any further ado, part two. Welcome to the Precariat Podcast, episode number two. Well, I don't know if this is going to be done. It depends on which order I decide to release them in. I actually did two other ones, but uh, I hated them, so I didn't keep them. So uh, I'm so, back, guys. So now, <laughs> that voice you hear is Brittany Simmons, who was from episode one, and now makes her triumphant return <laughs> to the Precariat Podcast. So welcome back, Brittany. Thank you kindly. Glad to be back. All right. So um, I guess we'll just get started. Um, so, you know, it's been a while since I had a podcast, maybe two weeks since our last one, maybe three. Mm-hmm. Um, you left them waiting, Jamal, eager. Yes, yeah, I have left them waiting. and But it's kind of a good thing, though, because a lot has happened since the last time we, we spoke. Definitely. Um, so I'll just open it up by you just giving your thoughts on uh, things that have been going on uh, with politics or anything else that might be on your mind. Well, we were, we were joking about this wiretapping thing. <laughs> that just happened. And you know, the biggest thing that's frustrating me right now is the lack of integrity. Like, I remember growing, a te- integrity of the truth, that is, and facts. I remember growing up, and we are we, we had to write papers, right? We had to source our papers, you know? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and you know, and not only did we have to source our, our papers and not in, in efforts to not plagiarize, we also had to put the sourcing in an, in an appropriate, you know, format. Like even, even the, the, the integrity had integrity, right? <laughs> There's, so, I mean, with, 
this current administration, like from alternative facts to what happened, I think it was today, I think I read it, to Trump saying, he tweeted specifically saying, accusing president, my president, always my president, Barack Obama, <laughs> of wiretapping, and then comes back today and says he didn't say that. So and we, I know we were joking upstairs earlier, so don't listen to what you said. That's what you're telling us to do. And it's just scary. And I think about what we're perpetrating right now. It's like, since when, and everything that, that, Donald, that I see Donald Trump does, he just spews things out there aimlessly says what he wants to say and we're supposed to take take him take him you know at face value um and then when he decides oh too much heat's on me oh never mind i didn't mean it but you said it and thankfully he records everything so you can see everything he says and i mean you it's 2017 there's so many ways to fact check i mean you can you can you can submit audio to fact check you can submit the content itself in google and have it come back i don't i'm just i'm really scared to see a perpetuation of literally alternative facts circulating in our society right now, especially, you know, within the media, I'm kind of disappointed. You know, when I was studying, I'm a communication major for those who don't, who don't know. And Mom, when, I do, I do, I do, I do. It's free. Um, and I remember, you know, going, going through my major and one of, one of the modules we went through, um, was around, it was in the 1960s, give or take, but it was about the importance of, of the media literally being watchdogs. And we have all this material, all this, all this ability and all these platforms available to us to fact check and to share the information. I feel like we're squandering the opportunity to be integrity and to have integrity and exhibit integrity with information. So I'm actually, the way I kind of respond, and I'll, I'll get back to you, to times like this is I just kind of pull away. Like, I just stop listening to it. I turn it off. I don't read it as much. I kind of, anything I see is a push notification that I, and then even those I swipe up. But um, I'm kind of fed up with it, honestly. And I'm, and I'm hoping that other people um, who are in their right minds and who, you know, are noticing what's happening. Um, and again, you know, just just the, the, lack, the lack of integrity that this administration has when it comes to the truth and what's the truth and propagating the truth. You can't handle the truth. No. No, you can't. No, it's That's what's on my mind. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because um, I've gone through a few different... Um, stages with this whole group uh, you know, the, the whole Trump group and now I'm getting to the stage where one I'm tired mostly Same as me. and um, beyond being tired um, you just get to a point where you can almost get a little depressed when you see mm-hmm. like oh now it's this now mm-hmm. it's that but but then I start I start reading certain things and you kind of read between the lines like one, one thing I was reading today you ever been reading something and you find out something that you didn't even really seek out to. Yeah, yeah. So I'm reading this article today, and it just had a, uh, I don't even remember what the article was about, actually, because what I ended up looking at kind of uh, took precedent. But I was looking at this article today, and in it, the writer has a hyperlink. You know how they hyperlink the yeah, words? Yeah, which I love. Lazy. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, it's a hyperlink to something Steve Bannon, Trump's chief mm-hmm. of staff, said mm-hmm. about deconstructing uh, administrative government. And um, and so I click on it and I go, and it's a Washington Post um, article about um, Steve Bannon when he went to this really prominent conservative convention called CPAC. Okay. I think it was maybe two weeks ago. He goes to CPAC and they ask him about everything they're doing and, uh, and he talks specifically about, I wish I had the quote in front of me, but he talks specifically about um, 
all the people who they've been putting in charge of the different departments. Yeah. And he was Good like, Carson, huh? and he was like, um, and whereas the, most of us look at it and think it was sort of haphazard or just putting your cronies in or, or oh, whatever. Oh, there's a rationale? Lola's well, talking about this. Rationale. Oh, I learned today. And okay. He said, he said, he said, a lot of those people were picked for very specific reasons. Oh, much on that um, One of which is deconstruction. Okay. Meaning um, deconstruction of that department. So that's why when you look at Department of Energy with education Rick Perry, with, with, with Rick Petty, okay. with Rick, Rick Petty, Rick Perry, right. um, who's been on record saying he wanted to get rid of the Department of Energy. Okay. I couldn't remember it. And uh, EPA, Scott Pruitt. Um, Is this who, Elko Hedge? Well, he's a, he used to be former Attorney General of um, Oklahoma. Okay. But he's, he's basically known as uh, sort of a front man for the oil companies. Like to like they found they actually rushed him through confirmation because um, he there was a lawsuit uh, with some some group wanted him to release all the emails from when he was attorney general which should be a, a easy ask considering that's mm-hmm. a public office elected right. office even um, and of course he didn't want to they had to sue him for him and they rushed him through because two days later he ended up losing the suit mm-hmm. had to release all his emails and they found out that not only had he been working with the oil companies but the oil companies have been drafting. Like um, letters and proposals for him, and mm-hmm. then he basically just signed off on it. Like it was just corrupt. Corrupt. The definition yeah, of corrupt. Yeah. Okay. Matter of fact, it went to the to the extent of um, them having to rem- tell him or his team rather to remove their letterhead from from some letter that they were sending to the EPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would look like it came from the attorneys general instead, even though it actually came from Devon Energy, which is an oil company. Wow. So. So there's that. Um, and he's also probably sued the EPA more than any attorney general in the country. So, you know, this is a guy who doesn't really believe the EPA should be doing what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so another person is deconstruct DeVos, as you brought up. Oh, boy. Brought up because uh, she, she wants to essentially make private schools, I mean, public schools private, essentially. Good luck. Which, you know, I don't think it's going to work. But I don't know. I it's don't a know. mess. Like, and it's what was funny is, I mean, we've heard him. And, and this is an example. Like, and I remember watching the news when Trump was on stage at a rally talking about his drain the swamp tagline. And like, oh, I didn't mean it. I just said it and it worked. Like, I was like, nobody caught that or cares? Like, what, what, I don't understand. And I, and I definitely think a lot of his supporters are having buyers and more for sure. I just saw today that... 14 mil- or more than 14 million people next year won't have access to health care. They do right now underneath the Affordable Health Care Act. So, um, and that's going to impact a lot of people that look like Trump more than it's going to impact people that don't. Yeah. Um, and I think about that. But, you know, it's, with his whole drain, I'm just like, I mean, I never, thankfully, I never believed him. I mean, so I don't feel like I got got. But, I mean, he's still in the swamp. He, he's pouring more critters into the swamp. And, you know, and, I, and I'm just like, what, 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 are we, what are we going to do about it? And can we, whenever you're ready, let's get on Carson. I haven't unloaded on Carson yet. <laughs> we were, so I, I, I've, been, I've been waiting on this one. Let me Ooh, stick a pin in Carson. We'll come back to that one. Um, but yeah, they, um, oh man, it, about healthcare though, like I was reading something today that was talking about, this is another thing in that article, uh, that Washington Post article I was telling you about at CPAC, um, or maybe it was another one, I read too much shit, but but it was talking about they have a three the, the Republicans that is have a three pronged or three phase they call it plan to to repeal Obamacare. Mm-hmm. So the first part of it is this crap that they rolled out this uh, last week, mm-hmm. 
And the reason they're doing it that way is because you can do certain budget, anything that has to do related to the budget, you can update uh, via reconciliation, Mm -hmm. which is a weird Senate thing uh, where you only need 51 votes, right? Mm -hmm. Because they know they can't get 60. So they're doing it that way. And then the second phase, because a lot of the stuff that people really do like about it, actually almost most of what people like about Obamacare is in uh, phase two of it, Mm -hmm. which is... Uh, so like in these bills, presidents give the heads of the departments discretion on certain things mm-hmm. so that they don't have to come back to the White House every time yeah. some little issue comes up. Yeah. So I think there were 1,442 said in the article items of where you, had, you, could, you could have discretion. Huh. In there were things like um, child stays on my health care until 26, right. all, all those different things of birth control having to be a part of, mm-hmm. of um, insurance. And not only this not only covers individuals who had to buy through Affordable Care Act or whatever they'll call yeah. the next thing. This affects people with employer based. Yeah, like my zero yeah. dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, they're taking out or they plan to take out a part where it covers pregnancy. Now, this doesn't mean your your insurance won't have it. It just means that if your company says we want to save money and so we're taking pregnancy or birth control or just you name it out of it, there's no longer a federal. Uh, law that says no, you have to have that in there. So that's what you know. What do you think? They're so that's tr- gonna piss even more people off. What do you think they're trying to do? And I ask this because I I look. This is probably the one I'm I'm very passionate about because I mean you know Obama got a lot in his administration got a lot of flack for being socialist quote unquote. But you know I think everything that was done and the legacy in, in the vision. Socialist. I know right and the vision behind like I'm for the health care. I mean, prayerfully, I will always, you know, have employer, um, employer-based insurance. Or, you know, if I don't, I can comfortably afford it on my own. Everybody should have access to health care and health care insurance. And insurance is an integral part of having access to health care, right? Um, that shouldn't be, I mean, that to me is basic humanity. Humanity. If you're not going to regulate the system in which health care exists and, con- and help control those costs... You got to do something to mitigate it somewhere. And it's just so inhumane to me that they're willing to deconstruct the Affordable Health Care Act the way they are. And so that's why I posed, I mean, if, do you think it's as simple as money? Like, I mean, is that, is that it? I mean, or is it, I'm just, I'm just having a hard time understanding how you could be, especially the, the constituents, like, you know, these, these congressmen and women, they know who their constituents are, you know, that they have to come face to face with them either every two or four years, right? Um, they get letters, they get personal letters. And I'm just, how are you so far removed from the people that you're representing? It's real. That's, that's honestly really heartbreaking to me that to see that they would actively, like you can see with every, with every clause you deconstruct or, or the reconciliation of a budget, you can see that equals to X amount million less access to this or access to this. I mean, and it's just, that is, that's really saddening to me. So I'm like, I mean, what, what is it? What are you doing? If it's, if it's a matter of, of freeing up and repurposing funds, where is it going? What? I don't understand. Okay. Yeah. So here we go. <laughs> I, so <clears throat> you're smart enough to, to know that, you know, if you want to know what's going on with something, just follow the money. Right. Yep. That's and it. with this, it's the same thing. It is about the money but not exactly in the way people might think. Mm-hmm. Because Obamacare or Affordable Care Act was funded largely by a tax on the 1%, right? So uh, almost a half trillion dollars, um, close to, closer to $600 billion, um, 
was paid for by a tax on the top one or two percent mm-hmm. of income earners. Um, and it, it did it in a bunch of different ways. It wasn't just like straight income tax. It was all a lot of rich people yeah. taxes that yeah. we, we don't even know about. But um, and so that has always been the reason the Republicans really hated it. I'm talking when I say Republicans, I'm not talking about your neighbor or your cousin mm-hmm. or whatever or your coworker. I'm talking about professional federal, you know, uh, Republicans who mm-hmm. are the people in the Senate and and the in the House and all of that that group, not Joe Republican. But that was the reason that those professional Republicans always really wanted it repealed mm-hmm. was because of that uh, tax that tax piece. And of course, their donor base, which are largely rich people on both sides, to be fair, um, didn't like that and thus fought it tooth and nail and been trying to get it repealed uh, all along. Trust me, had they just established the health care and somehow paid for it by having a bake sale or something like that, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be throwing up roadblocks about it. Is that tax piece that really? But what them. what else are the other ta- is other taxes going to fund? Why are you picking on this one component? It, it doesn't matter. They don't want to pay taxes at all. They're trying to. I mean, oh, they're they're also, the whole thing. They're also trying to tuck cat tuck cat um, cut taxes on for for top earners. Yeah. Just in this tax plan, yeah. like uh, they had like an initial. It, it wasn't like an actual bill, but it was like sort of their initial proposal for a tax for a tax bill. And it was like almost all, you know, all, almost all of it was top 1%. Almost none of it was for the middle class. And there was a little bit for like poor people, like lower mm-hmm. income people. Nothing for the middle class. So it was all either at the top or the bottom. Right. Of course. So, I mean, at the bottom, it was going to save them $3, you know? So mm-hmm. that's just, that's just something. So they can say they did something for people that weren't filthy rich. I just wonder how they, how they, they look themselves in, in the mirror I have a girlfriend who she's part, I mean, she, in terms of insurance, she's part-time with um, her church. So she doesn't get um, employer-based insurance. So she has benefited. Like she's been, she was on the side of when they, when she didn't have the Affordable Health Care Act, then when she did and how that made it more accessible and affordable for her. And now she's concerned about what's going to happen in the next six months to a year. And so for me, she was the first face that I had one of my best friends. She was the first face that I had to that impact. Now, thankfully, she will be able to afford whatever alternative that she has to find, albeit even if it's, you know, exhaustively expensive, she will. But like, what about the people that don't, that aren't, you know? And, and it's just, and again, I feel like, and, and we, we know this, this is obvious, but we know these people that are representing the people are not representing the people. Because if you were, you wouldn't be able to look yourself in a mirror every night. There's no way I could have that type of interface with that, you know, talking talking about that woman in particular who's concerned about, like, she, need, she needs to go to the doctor and she's concerned about, in a year from now, will I be able to, you know, revisit and have my second round of testing? What's that going to cost me? Like, so, so to really, that was a really sobering moment for me to see it so close to me. And it's like, either, I, I would say y'all can't have that touch point, but I know you do. I've seen, I've seen the letters that, you know, citizens write, they're congressmen and women. They see them. Um, and it just to me for you to be overlooking that is really pathetic and that kind of goes to our first podcast where i would really like to see in the future us move toward getting those people out like getting those people out and getting back to what the intention of having representation in the federal government was supposed to be because what it is right now is what it shouldn't be you know i always think like i was uh, this is a guy named chris hedges uh, chris hedges he used to teach at princeton i think and he's, he's talking about how he grew up, I think, I don't know, Ohio or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he was 
you know, lower income. You know, his, his dad was a pastor, so it was kind of a humble sort of, mm-hmm. they weren't poor, but yeah. you know, they weren't rich either. Anyway, so he talks about how when he was uh, a kid, he ended up getting some scholarship mm-hmm. for high school to some boarding school, mm-hmm. like fancy boarding school. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to the school and he meets all these people who are uh, like super rich kids, right. like passed down from generation to generation mm-hmm. type, type of kids. And he was just talking about, um, and the reason I bring this up is because you say, oh, how do you, people look at them, themselves in the face? And like, I think about this one, like this, what he said really struck a chord with me because he was saying that when he went there, he was like, they don't think like regular people. He was mm-hmm. like, they almost think in the inverse mm-hmm. way. Like regular people are thinking like sort of compassionately and think putting themselves in other people's place. Like, well, what if I didn't have a right, good job? Maybe right. I might not have... You know, he was like, they are almost completely self-centered because he, because they have spent a childhood where they don't really have much of a relationship with their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, this is a boarding school, so he was like, a lot of times their parents would show up um, on visitation days or whatever, Jeez. and and they would show up and take pictures, like family pictures with their kids, and then just leave. Yikes. Because they wanted the image of a family man without actually having to mm-hmm. do the family man thing. And he was saying, like, he thought that it also kind of warped them because from a young age, they were ordering adults around. Like, they would have servants, like yeah. housekeepers, yeah. And maids, whatnot. Um, nothing wrong with having that, but you can't let children yeah. talk to adults right. in that way, you know? Um, and so he was saying that he felt that they were sort of the, that super rich class was sort of, not all of them, obviously, but many of them have a, a very self-centered way of looking at things where it's kind of all about them because mm-hmm. it has it, it's always it, yeah it always has been about mm-hmm. them and all of their demands have been assuaged at some point um, but then I think about the actual Congress people who aren't all like that like a lot of the senators and Congress mm-hmm. people they come from regular communities and have somehow worked their ways up maybe they became an attorney and then ran for city council and yeah. eventually made it to Congress and it's it does it does. For them, for people who I know didn't, you know, come up in a way where you should be callous towards other people. Because you think about super rich people, many of them don't ever come in contact other than in a service kind of relationship with regular people. Right. You know, but these other people, they do come into contact with regular people all the time. Mm -hmm. They come from those communities. Yet you still can do things like you're talking about, like take these benefits from people when you know the cost for this is going to be... For a lot of people, bankruptcy or death. Right. You know, so right. that's that's a hard pill to swallow. So I don't I don't understand how you really do that. But but we get a little heavy. So now okay, <laughs> let's lighten it up. Redirect. And let's let's talk about Ben Carson. Oh we gosh, can, I'm we, finishing my wine. We can get okay. some laughs right. off. We can oh. get some laughs off Ben Carson. She's taking a sip of wine right now. Like <laughs> I still. I still, like, I haven't, like I said, like, I, I can't, you coon. You complete <laughs> and utter coon. That is the only thing, because I'm like, I know you know better. I, like, I'm going to, I know that. I know he doesn't really feel that those were, quote, hardworking immigrants. I was furious. Like, I feel like I don't even know a white person that would use that terminology. I don't. They were enslaved people stolen from land. Like, it's just a complete, it's a slap in the face. Everybody looks like us. Like, especially for the accomplishments that he in particular was able to achieve in the period of time where he was coming up. 
I'm just like, I don't, I can't, I really can't get with the people, the, the us. So to be very frank, black people who feel like they've made it to a point where they completely just discredit and disavow our history. Like, I don't, I don't like, and I feel like he said that. I know, I think he said it that way, hardworking immigrants to assimilate and to make the other side feel comfortable. And that's exactly what you don't need to do. But I just simply recall him a coon. It's really what, it's really what it was. Like I mean, like literally, I wish I could look him in his face and say, "How dare you disrespect our lineage that way? You How coon. dare you? You coon? Yes. Period. You coon. I'm gonna start there. You can go. Well, for, well, for anybody who doesn't, um, <laughs> who didn't hear the quote or whatever, uh, Ben Carson said uh, he was talking about immigrants in some yeah, in, in, a, in, yeah a, in a general sense. in a general sense, and he said. There were once uh, other immigrants, uh, air quotes. There were once other immigrants who came here uh, and, and in the bottom of, sh- of ships and worked a lot longer for a lot less. Zero. I, 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 yeah, I was about to say. I assume by a lot less you mean zero, or really negative. Immigrants. Like, <laughs> like to me, an Im- I mean, and this this isn't this is this isn't in the definition, but I think it's inherent. Immigrant, I mean, and somewhere in that term and in the definition, there's a, a, a liberation associated with that, right? Like you chose, you made a conscious decision to come from your land elsewhere, right? And especially when you consider people who were, I don't understand, I don't understand how, how you could use that that, 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 that particular noun, people who were stolen from their land. And that's where I go back to the fact that like, he knows better. Yeah. I know he knows better. He was cooning. He was on a stage. <laughs> I mean, but I've seen it, and it's sad to me. Again, it's the it's the whole fit, fitting in by by not like you know pushing the envelope too too tough, right? Yeah. So he was able to make his point. We all knew what he was talking about. His and I wish I could have seen his audience, literally who was in front of him. I think we know. we uh, right. We all know what he was talking about, no matter you know the terminology he used. But uh, the the last thing we need, hell, we have so much. I think. To call them hardworking immigrants is a whitewashing of that history. And I mean, if you look at, if I see, there's another one coming out. If I see another Anglo-based Egyptian story, like I might throw something at my TV. I really might. Like, how dare you, again, put white faces, and nothing against white faces, but how dare you put white faces on Egyptian history, on Egyptian skin. They look more like me and you than they ever will you, right? And it's the it's the continued perpetual state of whitewashing history. So for Carson, I don't understand why he would play a role in doing that because we're already taking, you know, the the history of slavery out of our out of our children's middle school and high school textbooks. You know, we're already warping that story and I've seen images of whether it's, you know, they don't even use the word slave in some places. They call them workers or whatever it is. And it's like, own it. Like, own what it was. You know, and I don't, I feel like I don't see, I, have, I feel like I haven't seen, and not to compare at all, but I feel like I haven't seen or heard um, similar kind of degradation of um, the, the Hitler story and what happened there. I feel like that has stayed you know, kind of the, the, the genocide of a particular group, you know, Jewish people to be specific. I haven't heard that being kind of, you know, the, being not whitewashed, but just, you know, uh, that that verbiage that being, you know, mitigated in a way that, to make others comfortable. I, I, I really see a lot more done to kind of, you know, hit that head on. So I don't understand why such a significant part of our history is one that, I mean, that's something I would have never thought would be at risk, kind of just like that, that basis, if you will. 
And it's really scary to see where that's going. And now you have a, a coon, you have a black man, you know, propagating the same thing. It's just disappointing. Like, yeah. I can't, I can't with that man. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, literally cannot. And I know it's funny you bring that up because I know, um, like, I've, ever since I was a kid, I've always loved Egyptian stuff. And mm-hmm. I've always been into that kind of thing. But there's been, like, a lot of, like, I probably haven't seen a movie that was about Egyptians mm-hmm. in a very long time. And it's because of that. Yep. Every time they come out, it's like, Hugh Jackman right. is like King Tut. Christian Bale. <laughs> like, what? Like Christian Bale is Akhenaten. Excuse there me? There has never been a, a white man named Akhenaten no, right. in the history right. of this universe. Let's just put it that way. Right. So. But anyway, like, um, but no, I think it's been like a thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, I know my wife and I talk about like the differences of what we learned in, in history and school. And mm-hmm. you know, I went to all black schools for my whole time until college, mm-hmm. basically. And so, uh, and and I didn't realize until I got out that the stuff that we have been learning was uh, somewhat different. Right now, Brittany's getting a refill of wine. Uh uh-uh, uh, you didn't have to tell me. <laughs> Uh, uh, but anyway, yeah. Th- but yeah, I didn't realize that the history that they were teaching us was different from the history. That, Give me an example. Uh, well, for instance, for instance, like I remember we used to go over the U.S. presidents. Yeah. And they would tell us which ones owned slaves. Oh. That's kind of. So it wasn't different. different. It wasn't as details. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, alternative facts. So I'm saying it's not yeah, as it sounds like. <laughs> they left a lot of important stuff out. Like, like. It's not that they would harp on that stuff. It was just that FYI. this is a thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, they let us know, hey, yeah. Uh, for instance, we learned about Zachary Taylor, who was the only Louisiana uh, president, mm-hmm. only president from Louisiana. Represent. Right? And so in most Louisiana schools, at least in state history, you learn about that, then that's something any state should be proud of, that you mm-hmm. had somebody from your state become president. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't tell you everything about Zachary Taylor. That mm-hmm. He's like a bitter racist. Yeah. And, that he owned all these slaves and hated black people. And, Jeez. I mean, you know, and I think in their mind, they kind of dismiss it as, well, that was a part of the time. But, you yeah. know, no. You need but to y'all t- hit that head on. Well, because it, here's the problem. I think they do everybody a disservice because it, it, it disservices people in a few different ways. For mm-hmm. white people, they don't learn the true story about what happened, mm-hmm. and thus they don't think it's that serious. Like, yes, they for, think we're crazy. For all y'all out there, Google... Um, <laughs> Google was slavery and see what comes up after that. What comes like up? Like the auto continuation. It'll be like really that bad or something like that. Um, yeah. What? Yeah. But 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 in a certain way, how can you blame them? Everyone needs to watch roots. Like you don't come into the world knowing about stuff. Like somebody's got to tell you. Mm-hmm. And if no one tells you, now you're out there ignorant. And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. But right. But if literally, you don't know about something, you're, you're ignorant, ignorant about it. Yeah. But so you're walking around ignorant, saying, oh, "Well, I don't know," because you don't, you never learned you about really what really happened. That's interesting. And then it does black people a disservice because they don't learn about it in school. Then they get out of school, go learn about it, and they're pissed off because you never told them about it. <laughs> you know? Right. So right. it's it's not doing anybody any favors. And really, all it is is in this country, the things that other people do in other countries are always bad. Holocaust bad. Oh yeah. Holocaust bad, terrorism bad, anything anybody does bad. Right. But stuff that we do is not as bad. So it's not even exclusive to slavery, although that is probably the biggest um, demonstration of that right. double standard. But you look at, for instance, that, that raid that 
Trump did in Yemen. And it's not to let Obama off because he did a lot of raids in Yemen and everywhere else in the Middle East yeah. as well. But they killed 25 people, I think including the U.S. soldier, who's the only person they talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, tw- uh, or they killed more than 25 people. 25 were innocent, like civilians, women and children. Nine were children. One was an infant. You didn't, we, uh, of course, we didn't hear about this in the U.S. We had to hear about it because the media in the U.K. reported it. Right. Uh, in the U.S., they reported that there were no casualties. Well, I mean, no casualties other than the U.S. soldier. So, oh, really? Yeah, well, that's what they initially reported. Hmm. And then somehow we got the word from the U.K. media that, no, actually a, a, a dick load of people died. Um, and so then they started kind of backtracking and saying, well, yeah, collateral damage, blah, 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 blah. Um, any other country that did that, that killed innocent people, one, okay, if you're fighting a war somewhere, which you really should not be doing, um, because we don't fight wars against people with armies. Like, we almost exclusively fight wars against people without armies, right. which is funny. Right. But, um, but you shouldn't be doing that. But if you are going to do it, at least if there's, there's going to be collateral damage, because there's always collateral damage in war, mm-hmm. at least acknowledge that and show some level of humanity about that instead of lying about it. And, and then when it does come out, you just kind of brush it aside and only... Only the death of our soldier was important. Mm-hmm. The death of this infant that didn't have anything to do with this. The death of these other eight kids didn't have anything to do with this. These women right. who were just, you know, and it's and so we do stuff like that all the time, go around the world killing people. But let somebody else do something. Let North Korea test the bomb, not blow anybody up. Just <laughs> test the bomb. I don't want North Korea with a bomb. Let me just go on record. I, I, okay, that. I was like. What? But I'm, but I'm just saying, I'm just going on and say that yeah. how many fucking bomb tests did the U.S. do? Like, uh, of all the griping we do about nuclear weapons, who's the only country to ever drop one of them or two of them? Is us, which I still can what never understand how, how Japan is not still. You know how long it would take the U.S. to get over somebody dropping a nuclear weapon on us? I mean, no. And they, there's a fucking Disney World there now. <laughs> I mean, how does that work? I think to everything you're saying, it's like, you know, especially like when you go abroad, like they, cause I mean, for us, there's a filter. Like they don't, they don't initially assume we're, we're American until they might hear us speaking English without an accent. But one time I've been in Europe, for example, with Spain, was in Spain, I was speaking Spanish and they hate Americans. Like a lot of Europeans hate Americans. And I didn't, and I was what, 19 at the time. And so I didn't really understand that. I remember kind of seeing my because I, I was it was a group of maybe I don't know 12 of us and I remember like kind of my my white I remember hearing some stories from my white counterparts about just kind of the whole oh, Americans and like it just you know we have we have a really negative um in, in some countries I won't say everywhere for everyone but a really negative perception internationally and I'm not even surprised that we do given everything you know kind of to everything you've you've listed out but when you think about it's kind of like a false elitism, right? Like when I think about, as we were talking, I was thinking about the whole make, make America great again line and what Americanism has been promoted to be. And it, it's it's a falsehood in my opinion. I mean, it's, it's one based on hypocrisy. It's one based on um, disregard for anyone that doesn't look like you or share your, either your, you know, your ethnic, cultural, whatever, you know, belief, mainstream, that is, beliefs. And I feel like the people who, who promote Americanism so much? Um, you know, they're usually they're usually white people. I feel like most minorities, including myself, usually feel kind of like that rock in a hard place. Like, yeah, I was born in America, but like America don't love me, so it's kind of like I don't know. Like, 
I don't really know. You know, I'm not. You know, I'm I'm, I'm in it, but I'm not in it. Kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. Black people are always looking around like, oh, that's a nice country. <laughs> like I'm like I'm going I'm going to Canada in two weeks. Oh, yeah. That's not a, mm, that. Let me tell you, Canada. I'm yeah. just saying. That's I'm the, I'm peeping out to see what I what what I might that, like. That's you the move. That's the move. You know, at but least, at least in the summer, that's the move. Oh, I know. It's like 20 yeah. degrees right now. That's but don't worry. In 10 years, it'll be it'll be like it'll this. be for yeah. sure. I, right. Oh, stop. Keep the warming. Yes. So. But yeah, no, I think about that. And it's just, I mean, it's everything you said, like, it's sad. Like, I'm not, there are so many times I'm not proud to be, I think I'm not proud to be an American. And like, when I think of stories, like, or situations like that, kind of what you're saying with even how the news is reported. And it's reported that way because that's what we value. We value that American soldier. And there's nothing wrong with protecting your house and valuing your house. Like, I ride for my mom and my sisters before anybody. Got it. Cool. You know? But, I mean, to the disregard of other lives, and I mean, and, and I think we're seeing that kind of trickle into everything else. And, and again, and America, to me, is first a white male, right? A rich white male. And then everything else from there kind of filters down. Have, you know, what based on their comfort and who they decide to allow to have the closest access to challenging them, right? Yeah. Um... And again, that, that's really why that's, that's something that I'm not overly proud about. It's yeah. kind of to your point, it's um, about, you know, the, 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 the rich children. It's based on what, what can you do for me, right? Yeah. What, how, can I, how can I benefit from, from this? If I can't benefit from it, then piddly, yeah. go off. But America, like, like, this is just a thing. Like, you just have to think about all the stuff. Like, for instance, Iraq. We all know it now. I mean, I knew then, but we all know now that that was total bullshit, that we went in there, shouldn't have gone in there. It was under false pretenses, false intelligence. Mm -hmm. We know that now. Doing what? What are you talking about specifically? Just invading Iraq. Oh, okay, got it. Just, you know. But when you think about, um, they killed, and the estimates vary. Like, there's estimates that go into the millions, but Mm. that we know know about about 200,000 civilians in Iraq. Imagine... If another country had invaded another no country way. and killed two hundred thousand on the low end, world, world war. civilians, Hands how what we would be saying about them, right. you know, on on false pretenses, and nobody went to jail. It's one thing, okay, we had a bad president. Sorry about that, y'all. We put <laughs> him in jail. We put all his cronies in jail. We'll try to never let that happen again, you know. And I think one problem that America has, like they always talk about American American exceptionalism. The only thing about exceptional about America is its ability ability to lie to itself about mm-hmm, itself, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That's what's really exceptional about yeah. America because um, the thing when you look at somewhere like Germany, the fact that it was one, I mean, it happened, uh, all that stuff happened, you know, in time there was cameras, everybody saw it, right? And it also wasn't in America, so it was wrong, and uh, but there was there's public atonement for it. Yeah. Like, the people, and I know, like, even Germans, you know, there's young Germans who, of course, uh, probably most of the population wasn't around in the 40s when all that shit was going down. Uh, but there's still a social conscience about it of, as a culture, we really went wrong somewhere. And and they acknowledge that in different places. Monuments mm-hmm. to it, and there's just a different... Um, Ah, uh, I a, see what you're a, saying. Yeah, there's a different, there's a respect paid yes. to the Jews in terms of, yes. and they have actually come out and said, we're sorry. Has we're America sorry. said that? No, they haven't said that. Uh, they actually they said got, to Native Americans? I they think, said it to I, Asians? I think I was, I was hearing that one president came close to actually doing that, like Kennedy or somebody like that. Of course he got killed. 
But he probably was on par to do that. But 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 yeah, but there's never been that acknowledgement of this is what happened. It shouldn't Should have happened. Happen. We're sorry. Let's try to move forward. Yeah. Now and we'll do whatever it is we need to do and to try know, to facilitate. That. I think so. I think what you're saying is this. that's that's a, that's a side I I think I recognize it doesn't feel unfamiliar, but I hadn't really thought about it. I hadn't called it that. And I think I do recognize the lack of consciousness we have to it, especially when you think about like the rationale. Like, why are you removing the stuff from from yeah. textbooks at the most basic level? Why are you sweeping under the rug? And so when we think about why we have like we think about race relations, it's almost 100% rooted in that dark foundational component of our history. I think the one piece, there would be no America without the free labor that our ancestors, you know, put on their backs to create this country, right? And, and, and the, the generational wealth that we still see remnants of is because y'all had workers you were getting 100% profit off of. That's why, right? And so... I think about the fact that, kind of to what you were saying earlier about, um, you know, uh, that, that particular person, the thing with the Princeton, I think it was, um, you know, the fact that it doesn't resonate with you what slavery means and why it was horrific, we can't move on. Like, there's a reason why your daddy, your daddy's daddy, your daddy's daddy's daddy feels the way he feels about black people or niggers. It's rooted in that history. But until you know it and can pay respect to it and really understand it, we're not going to be able to move past that. And so it's almost not even surprising. Like about uh, about four or five years ago, I remember having like an outer body experience looking at the news because my, my dad, I have those parents, sat me, probably on a lyric, the same thing, I'm sure at some point. Sat, I, never, I remember sitting at the foot of their bed watching Eye on a Prize. Like I remember, I remember. Okay, so yeah, you, you 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 have watched that too, yes. And I remember I was like, I, know there's one I thing hate you. We did right, We're gonna let him do this. Now we used to play that all the time in school. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah not in my school. Mm -mm. Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking but about. <laughs> but I remember being like 11 or 12 and watching and watching that yeah. and being like. Just from the protests, from the you know the, the 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 policing, the police brutality, and like the fact that I was, I felt like I was white. And it, back then it was it was black and white, and I remember watching the news. I think it started around probably Trayvon Martin. I think it started around then. So that would have been twenty thirteen, where his where his court case um, had had a lot of publicity, and everything since then. I've been watching it, and it's like I remember being a little girl watching something that was supposed to be happening fifty years ago. So it's like, I'm not even surprised it's cyclical. I'm not even surprised it's come back around because it, it was band-aided. You didn't get to the root of it. And the root of it starts with understanding the history, right? And I think it would be really interesting. And you think about like the Confederate flags, the fact that one, they were still up in state capitals. For, for, it's something I didn't even really realize. The fact that it was a big damn deal to advocate to pull those things down. You have some, you have some states that pulled them down, want them back up. But it's just like, do you not understand well, and I think the answer is no, because I think the white people see it all well, two ways. They either see it as pride, Southern pride, or they know good and damn well what that means. Southern pride, you know, to, to the exclusion and the hatred of others. Yeah. Uh, either way, I mean, th that one, at least that side is making a conscious choice to, you know, to hate. There, there's a choice, you know, the people who are advocating for it and kind of, to me, kind of, I feel like on, on the gun standpoint, which is a whole other conversation, People who are advocating for it that don't understand the darkness associated don't understand why the, the proliferation of that is something that's a problem for, for other people. Like when I, for example, um, a year ago, 
I pulled up at work. This is when I was in Arkansas um, at Kraft and uh, um, on a Walmart team. And I pulled up and there was a, I think this was around, this was around, something was going on at the time. But there was a pickup truck with a Confederate flag like staked in the middle of the of the flatbed. Mm-hmm. And he also had like Confederate flags, like stickers in his window. Sounds cool, dude. And shut up. And I was like, and, and sorry, and there have been sightings of seeing trucks like this driving around Arkansas. Like, something had gone on. I think it was, I think it was um, the height, the heightening of a lot of uh, police shootings. I feel like that's when it was. Uh, yeah. Blue, I think, Blue Lives Matter. Yeah, maybe. I think that's when that was happening. Um, and I felt really uncomfortable. I was, because it was just hateful. Like it was seething hate. Like that person didn't have that in their flatbed because he, he rocked with the South. No, it was deeper than that, right? Yeah. And like, I had to walk into my office like who, in my head. Like, who, who is that? And I kind of swallowed it for a second. But then I went up to my admin and I was like, don't. I was like, don't say anything. I don't want this to be made a big deal. But I was confident it wasn't anybody in my office. But I was like, somebody's on our property with X kind of, you know, yada, yada. And with, smoke them out. <laughs> and, within, like, and within like, I think by the time I, I left for lunch, it was gone. And more, it was more than likely a worker, some sort of worker that was on site for the day. And I respect the hell out of my, my team president came up to me almost like I was like I was a kid. I felt like I was in trouble. But he came up to me in my office and he was like, he was like, long story short, he was like, don't ever feel like you don't want to make a big deal out of something like that. That's a big damn deal. And he was like, that's not welcome here on this property. And I think it's it takes two sides, right? It takes a side to call it out and to say, hey, I'm uncomfortable with that. And it takes a side to recognize and to call out and to and to do something about it because they first understand that there's something to be made uncomfortable about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And without having because I mean I think our parents do a good job at teaching us and you know kind of keeping us aware of what's going on. But you really can't do anything unless the other side has that that the understand that foundational base as well. So like that's just an example um, of that. And just you know I, I remember feeling I remember feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm glad that he got it. I'm glad I didn't have to, because some people probably would have had to pick it, you know, would have yeah. to make a much bigger deal to, to get that. But I mean, but even still, the fact that I was like, I don't want to make a big deal out of it, you know, I think that speaks to the fact how you know we, I guess we we feel punished or we feel like we're what's the word? We feel like we're we're stirring something up when actuality, like it's. I mean, it's, it's your right to want to feel safe, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but we, but because I think, I guess it's always like we're, you know, we're protesting or we're, or we're, we're making, we're making it known that something's wrong, but often we're making it known that something's wrong and it's just our voices that we're hearing over and over and over again. And you have those people who are like, why are y'all so complaining? Like you have a black president. Like, you know, like that, you know, it meant something. Absolutely. But like, yeah. that was the pinnacle of the end all be all. I feel like that's third the pop more than anything. But yeah. okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, you better than a lot of people. My mom, she would have been out, out front in a dashiki <laughs> singing Amazing Grace. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I had to think about it because like I said, I, I was like, I was 99.9% positive it wasn't anybody that I worked with. So that's why I was like, okay, not okay, but I was like, this person will be gone. But I feel like I forgot. I think I, I think I only said something. I guess because I saw it. I don't know what it was, but I was just like, that person's gotta go. Yeah. Like I shouldn't. I shouldn't have to be, you know, on the place second to my home, feeling like who who is this person? Yeah. You know? No, yeah. absolutely not. No, they. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, have you ever heard? 
Trevor Noah is on Daily Show? Yeah, I like him. Yeah. I like him a lot. He's from South Africa. I, I might get his book. Um, well, he's Born, from... What is it? Born? Well, he, there was a documentary he did. Like this, was, I learned about him a few a years legal? ago before... I was completely surprised that he got the Daily Show, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I saw... It was a documentary he did just about South, him in South Africa and growing up there and what mm-hmm. that was like. Anyway... Uh, he actually has an interesting interesting perspective on it because South, in South Africa, essentially the same thing happened yeah. that happened here, um, especially when you compare Jim Crow to to uh, apartheid and, and also essentially what's been going on ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has an interesting um, viewpoint on it because he's obviously sort of lived through the, that change, right? Because that day apartheid didn't come down until the 90s. Right. I feel like there's and, further along and, and, and he was... And he was what he was saying about it was that um, that it's a little bit different in in that country now because and you saying they still have like big race problems like you don't just get over that no. in twenty years but but he was saying that there's a different conversation that happens there because they've institutionally acknowledged what was going on like before it was just like it is here where the black people would complain mm. and everybody would be like oh it's just a one off. Incident. Right, but and we they, keep getting shot. Yeah, and they just they would complain, and complain, and they would never admit that it was a systematic thing that was happening, you know. And he said once they admitted that and apologized That's for what it, it he was like, "That is when the real healing started takes. to happen in South Africa, um, when the government itself said, mm-hmm. yes, this is real, it is happening, um, and." We're gonna try to fix it going forward, mm-hmm. you know. Even though that we know that's gonna take a generation, um, it's better than not acknowledging it, not getting that clock started, so right. that hopefully one day this isn't an issue. But you know, here we haven't we haven't done anything like that, and you know, to a large extent, people will still say it's not true. But you have a story like today where uh, they just lost a court case, and it's one of many that they've been losing all over the country, mm-hmm. uh, saying that uh, Texas gerrymandered the congressional districts mm-hmm. to exclude Hispanics and African Americans. Um, and they also lost one in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. They lost one in, um, I don't know, it might have been Ohio. Uh, it was another state. Anyway, it's been four or five states. And I, I forget who's actually doing all the suing. But um, but they're going like from state, they have this in multiple states because one of the ways Republicans have gotten, have despite um, always not having the most voters mm-hmm. who are conservatives, mm-hmm. yet still all the state houses and Congress uh, federally is Republican is because they've gerrymandered all these districts to where only the, the only place that they basically carve out the Democratic areas are where the black people live, Hispanics right. live, people who they know are going to vote for them, rather than it just being a larger, sort of broader area where some people will vote for Republicans, some people wouldn't vote for Republicans, right. and you just see, you just have to win on your merit. And so they've been losing cases like this all over. Why? Uh, in North Carolina, they're going to have uh, this November coming up. They're going to have a special election because they were the first state to bring a case like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and their entire state house, at least all the people who got elected last time mm-hmm. or, or subsequent to these uh, gerrymandering things mm-hmm. that went on, which I think was like 2011 or 2014, something like that, uh, all those seats are going to be back open. And they're going to be all re-voted on in North Carolina. Why isn't that talked about? Like... Why that that is I mean because I'm I'm like I'm I'm a, alert enough to the news where like if something like that was like the top 
10, 15 trending story, I would have come across that. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't have known that unless you said it. Well, I, well I'll say And that. that's a big deal. That's well, a really big deal. It is a really big deal. But I'll say, I will say this. You're not going to be able to depend on regular media for certain things because you have to think about where our big networks are and even big papers are at this point. They're all owned by, you know, the same people who own the movie studio, studios, right? Right. And so the money, people who own the movie money, studios. Money, exactly, money. right? So, yeah. And so reporting on the nitty-gritty of different little topics um, is not going to be in their wheelhouse because they're competing against, you know, you know, what it, name the big sitcom, right? I would bet, so, I would bet significant money that the first network or journalist that is courageous enough to stand up and promote stories like that will be significant, not only rewarded, but will start a revolution. Well, that's like I'm... somebody has got to do it. Like there are two, there are so many people like us and, and it's not just us, you know, skin color millennials is what we're talking about in our, in our, in our first podcast millennials as a whole, like I kind of, I've been doing this like silent study at work. Like, I don't talk politics at work. But I've been doing a silent study just to kind of like get an idea as to where people kind of are. And millennials of all shades and color are by far way more progressive. By far. Um, even the conservative ones. Are even, and no, really, seriously. Because, like, like, absolutely. Young that Republican, too. they're pro gay. All like, that. Like, I'm ex- exactly. And what I'm saying is. There are, there are, there's a big niche. There's a big populace of people that have those concerns and all they need is that fact. All they need to know is that information, the fact that this is something that has legs, but without, without someone really, you know, promoting this information, all all we're going to see is Russian interactions with another one of Trump's administrative staff. That's all we see all that. That's all we see all that. Well, they do the news and narratives, right? And, um, and they also do it. In the same format that they do, like reality TV, where they make it confrontational, right? Yes. So, like in reality TV, it's all about confrontation. Get two people with opposite personalities and have them butt heads yeah. somehow, or Pretty. make up something from them butt heads. But on TV, they get a Democrat, Republican, split screen. Let's go. You yeah. Know? yeah. One person's defending the indefensible. One person struggling to defend <laughs> the defensible. And you know, we don't go. We don't go anywhere. They start yelling. Then we get to. The commercial break and get our our commercials about prescription medicine. So, but 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 there are sources like there are independent news um, news sources that you can go to, which mm-hmm. is like how I found that out. So I go to this place called Democracy Now. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a website, but I always listen to the podcast just because I'm moving around and it's easier to do it that mm-hmm. way. So I listen to it on the way to work. You would be amazed the stuff, and they've been around for a long time. I thought they were like a newish kind of thing. They've yeah. been around for like twenty years. Oh, wow. Like, um, but you would be amazed. And I love how they do it because it's just like a straight stream of information, uh, of, of stuff. It's not like all the, um, all the fluff. So yeah. like, if you're just trying to get it's news, yeah, you just want to know, okay, what happened? There's a fact yeah. on this date. This happened. Who yeah. cares who said it? Thank you. And then like mm-hmm. in the second half of the show, they'll have like a guest on to kind of expound on the issues. But yeah. the first half is just like, these are all the things that happen and they do like U.S. news, and it's also global stuff that affects the U.S. Mm-hmm. that you never hear about. So, like, I heard about the North Korea nuclear test, like, way before they made a big deal. I mean, they reported it the same day, but you know how major news is, like, re- reporting it and actually reporting it are not the same thing. Right. They'll put out a little blurb or have it at the, at at the, the bottom of the screen yeah. while they talk about Trump tweeting about wiretaps, which, while it is a big story, it's also not important. 
You know? Because at the end of the day, it's not going to result in anything Nothing. for anybody. Distractions. So I'd encourage people to go to democracynow.com or you can listen to their podcast. It's great. Um, or theintercept.com is another one. Okay. That's a site uh, by a guy named Glenn Greenwald, who's a Pulitzer Prize winning um, uh, journalist. He used to work for, I think, New York Times, Washington Post. Oh, he's fancy. But, but he got upset over this exact stuff um, that we're talking about. Like He got upset mainly over the Iraq stuff mm-hmm. and how he felt the media, the major media, was complicit mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. And so he broke off and started his own thing uh, with another writer named Jeremy Scahill. So that's another excellent site that they report on all kinds of different stuff that mm-hmm. the major news isn't talking about. Um, so I'd encourage people to, you know, go to those places and, you know, it's very readable, much more entertaining than the regular news because you already know what's coming from them. Right. Split screen, get Kellyanne on one side. Oh, Jesus. And just anybody. You put anybody against Kellyanne, I mean. That's, we, that's fireworks. I can't even, I can't even believe her. Like, she's so. Where does she come from? I don't know. Okay. I don't, Great. I don't know where she came from, but she's so amazing. Like, sometimes I just think about those people, like those people who are willing to do and say anything Any. for a prominent position mm-hmm. and a nice size check. Like goes back to how we started integrity, right? Like you, yeah. you, you don't have an, even integrity of who you are, what your beliefs are. Yeah. So at that point, I, I, I've never understood how she could just sit there and and work for somebody who, I mean, there's a difference between what we normally do in politics, which is bending the facts, and just straight, and just straight, uh, and just straight lying like they do. So, oh man, but I wish we could talk forever, but we can't. Um, we're out of time. Any any parting words for the listeners? Anything you want to tell yeah, them? Yeah, I, I will say um, take heed. I know I will. Take heed to your um, recommendation to go to democracynow.com and The Intercept for sure. I think if you know if you guys are out there feeling like me, you kind of, for lack of a better phrase, you know, wanting to be spoon-fed information and kind of expecting our, you know, our, our, our prominent media outlets to be the ones relaying this information. Clearly they're not, but I would imagine that if we're able to traffic sites like democracy now and intercept will be able to allow them to get some traffic to be able to maybe even do more so um you know if you share you know some of these or any of these beliefs and are looking for more information even if you don't share the beliefs or don't true it's about facts like you don't have to agree with us you don't have to want people to have health care just to get the facts the facts right right but yeah that's something i will definitely be doing this week yeah so thank you for it cool well i appreciate you coming and being on again, the, the first time I was over the phone, this time is actually I'm live, I'm live. So it was a lot more fun. <laughs> and my wife's sitting on the couch over there. She filled me up. Yeah. She gave me the wine. Yeah, Cheers. You the real MVP. You the real MVP. <laughs>